Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. We know there's a story in the Bible of King Saul. He's been anointed as the very first king of Israel. And there's a decision that he makes after a period of time that he no longer wants to live for God. And after he makes this decision, we find the prophet Samuel, who anointed him to be the king of Israel, is distraught. He's destroyed by the fact that Saul no longer wants to live for God. The Bible lets us know he weeps, he cries, but... Lord speaks to him and says, although there is pain where you're at right now, there's something that I have for you in the very near future. If you will just get up and begin to go. And God promises he's getting ready to pour out his anointing on the next king of Israel. So Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And here is where we pick up the story where God has led him to this place to anoint the next king of Israel. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 11. Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down. Turn to your neighbor and say, We will not sit down. We will not sit down till he come hither. Some of you didn't like what you just said just then. I like to preach for the next few moments on that little portion of the scripture. He said, we will not sit down till he comes hither. I like to preach on this title. You may not be seated. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you may not be seated. Some of y'all, y'all knew what was coming. Y'all just, is he really about to make us stand this entire time? Yes? No, I'm joking. We're going to be seated in the physical here in a moment. But I want to tell you, if you need something from God in your spirit, you may not be seated. There ought to be some expectation in you that God is getting ready to do something and I'm going to stand with faith and belief until I see him do it. Lift up your hands and let's pray together one more time. Shall we, God? We thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit that is so evident in this room. I pray right now, anoint us, oh God. Your word is already anointed, but anoint us, oh God. I pray, Lord, let every single word in this place, oh God, be anointed by you. Let your word be preached. Let it find, Lord God, a lodging place. Let that seed of your word be planted and let it bring forth fruit, Lord, for that is his purpose and that is his intent. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise for it right now. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, clap your hands with all of your heart. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. Oh, Jesus, we magnify you. We praise you in this place, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 You may not be, I'm joking, you may be, you may be seated. 
Have you ever stopped to think about what life would be like without sitting down? It is such a habitual part of our life that I too had not considered what it would be like until I began to prepare this message. But as insignificant as it seems, sitting affects our bodies in a greater way than we realize. When we sit, the electrical activity in the muscles drops, leading to a cascade of harmful metabolic effects. Your calorie burning rate immediately plunges to about one per minute. And within a single day, the risk of developing type 2 diabetes rises. So does the risk of being overweight. And over a lifetime, the unhealthful effects of simply sitting began to add up. Alpha Patel, an epidemiologist at the American Cancer Society, tracked the health of 123,000 Americans between 1992 and 2006. The men in the study who spent six hours or more per day of their leisure time sitting had an overall death rate that was about 20% higher than the men who sat for three hours or less. The death rate for women who sat for more than six hours a day was about 40% higher. And Patel estimates that on average, people who simply sit too much shave a few years off their lives. This grave truth that research has exposed about the simple act of sitting calls for Dan Coes, a writer, editor, and podcaster from the New York Times Magazine to make a drastic decision that he would not sit down for an entire month. For an entire month, Dan said, I will not sit down. So serious was Dan that he said, the only time that I will sit down is when I am driving in my car, when I am sleeping in my bed, or when I am sitting on the throne of glory. Some of you just got that. Some of you will get it later on today. When you're sitting on the throne of glory. He said, the only time that I will sit down is when I am in my car driving, sleeping in my bed, or sitting on the throne of glory. And Dan, after a month of doing this, had some astonishing results. After not sitting down for an entire month, Dan lost five pounds, gained drastic muscle definition, cut his wasted time down drastically, and walked more than 92.5 miles without effort, all because he made a simple decision to not sit down. I feel in my spirit today to liken the story of Dan Coes to many of us today in our spirit. We are standing on the cusp of results that we've so desperately longed for. Revival we've so desperately cried out to God for. And the spiritual depths that we've hungered for. Yet the enemy knowing all that God has planned has convinced us not to give up on God. Not to backslide not to commit some grave sin or transgression, but to simply sit down. 
to simply become lax in our approach to God and the things of God. Go to church, but don't you worship too hard. Pray, but don't you pray too loud. Give here a little and give there a little, but don't you give sacrificially. Just relax, take it easy, and sit down. How innocent it seems to just relax, take our leads, and wait. But sitting, can I tell you, is not as innocent as it seems. When we sit in our spirits, we are at risk to become spiritually overweight. When we sit, the muscles of our faith begin to wane away and atrophy. When we sit, our spiritual man is much more at risk to die before seeing the fulfillment of every promise that God has made for us and to us. But can I tell you, when a child of God makes up their mind, come what may, I will not sit down. Something begins to happen in the spirit realm. Come on, can I tell you in this room, there is something special that begins to happen when a child of God is determined. I don't care what happens. I don't care what comes. I don't care what goes. I've made up my mind. I will see the fulfillment of every word spoken over me. Can I tell you, that's when something begins to happen. That's when lives begin to happen. That's when miracles begin to happen. You make up your mind, I will not sit down. Can I tell somebody, your posture matters. That's simply what I'm preaching about this morning. How you wait matters. Oh, I'm just going to wait and I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. And when God finally shows up on the scene and does everything that he said that he was going to do, that's whenever I'll really worship. That's whenever I'll really get involved in church. And that's when I'll really begin to give sacrificially. And that's when I'll really begin to do this or that. Can I tell you? If you're waiting for God, you probably won't do that. But the type of people that truly see God do the supernatural in their life are the type of people that will say, while I am waiting, God, I will wait with praise in my spirit. I will wait with expectation in my spirit. God, I'm going to worship. I don't see you working right now, but I know you are working. I don't see you moving right now, but I know you are moving. Therefore, I will praise. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be it when I don't see him working I will bless him when I don't see him moving I will bless him I know sooner or later he's going to show up on my oh somebody ought to do that right now Oh, somebody ought to make the devil real mad and say, I'm still going to worship. I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. I don't know when he's going to heal, but he's going to heal. And until I see him do it, I will praise him. I feel something moving. Somebody just go ahead and praise him like you feel like it right now. I know they may think you're crazy because they know what's going on in your family. But you can call me crazy if you like. I'm just crazy enough to believe my God is able. I'm just crazy enough to believe my God's getting ready to do it. That's why I praise. That's why I worship. That's why I'm... Oh my goodness, I feel something in this room right now. Oh yes, Lord. Oh yes, come on. 
Come on, I said miracles are getting ready to happen in your family. Miracles are getting ready to happen in your life. But you need to praise them while you wait. How you wait matters. <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, how you wait matters. What you do in the meantime matters. Because here's the thing. We've seen it time after time after time. They were well-intentioned. They didn't mean anything by it, Brother Matt. But, 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 but Pastor Matt, I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to just kind of skip out on youth night because, you know, I'm just not really, I don't know, there's just not a whole lot going on right now. And I'm not really, I'm not really like giving up on God, but I'd just rather do this and I'd just rather do that. And they were well-intentioned and they weren't meaning, but when they begin to sit down and just kind of relax and go through the motions a little bit sooner or later, we don't find them where they used to be. Because sitting down in the spiritual is a lot like sitting down in the natural. The more you sit down in the natural, the harder it is to get up. The more you sit down in the natural, the harder it is to get those muscles to stand up again. That's why you got to keep standing. Because the more you stand, the more you keep your strength. The more you stand, the more you keep your faith. The more you expect for God to do it, the more that you believe that God will do it. Don't you let the enemy convince you that you can just kind of relax and you'll see, no, 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 no. You got to have some faith in you. You got to have some determination in you. You got to have a fire in you. I don't see it yet, but I'm still believing it. Come on, somebody. The devil sat on some of your shoulders and told you to give up. But God sent a young preacher to remind you, it's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to just play church. No, 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 no. Now's the time to go. Now's the time to get on fire. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Come on, somebody. God's getting ready to do the supernatural. God's getting ready to pour out his spirit. But you got to worship. Don't stand. Don't sit down. Keep standing. Don't give up. Keep moving. Don't throw in the towel. God is on the move. God is doing something. God is doing something. God is doing something. Somebody praise him right now. You might not understand my praise, but that's okay. I'm expecting God to do something. You might not understand my worship, but that won't stop me. I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm expecting for you. I can always tell people who are expecting God to do something. They're the ones in the front going crazy, doing the huck and bucket. You don't understand why. Let me tell you why. Because they're expecting for God to do something. Let me tell you why we worship and why we praise even with our backs against the wall. Because sooner or later we know God's going to come through for me. God's going to make a way where there is no way. That's why I praise. That's why I'm standing. That's why I'm here. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Give them praise. Hallelujah. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you may not be seated. You may be seated. We find Samuel. Samuel's at a position in his life where pain has entered into the equation. And anytime pain enters into the equation, it's crippling. Anybody ever been there before where you've been hurt? You've, been, you've dealt with pain. You've dealt with, with all types of things that have caused for you to just say, you know what? The easiest thing for me to do right now is just to give up, sit down, and just have a good old pity party and cry for a while. Anybody ever been there before? And right in the middle of his pity party, God shows up on the scene and says, Samuel, it's time for you to stop crying. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a good cry session before and somebody tells you to stop. It is very rude. <laughs> like, man, hold up, bro. Just give me a sec, man. Like, I just started. Like, God says, no, it's time for you to stop crying. Because here's the thing. It is normal and it is human for you to deal with pain and to respond to pain in a way that causes you for you to have deep sorrow and tears and agony and that's human and if anybody asked you to not act that way they would be telling you to do something that is impossible we are human beings we feel we feel hurt we feel pain we have all of these emotions but here's what I've come to tell somebody in this place today it is it is although it is normal for you to feel those emotions although it is normal for you to feel pain and hurt and anxiety and depression and fear and all these things that come because of the cares of life that weigh heavily on us can I tell you it is not the will of God that you live with that pain forever it is not the will of God that you live with that depression and that fear forever. It is not the will of God that you deal with that heaviness forever. Can I tell somebody that I still believe that the Bible lets us know that God has given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Can I tell you, it is not the will of God that you constantly deal with heaviness. Oh, you don't understand. I've got this mental health issue, and they say that I was born with it. And I listen, I don't know if you were. I don't know if you weren't. Here's what I do know. Our God is a healer. I can't tell you how it happened, why it happened, when it happened. But I can tell you this. If we got enough faith to believe that God can heal cancer, and we do, we ought to have enough faith to believe that God can heal your mind. Y'all didn't hear me. I said, if we have enough faith to believe that broken bones can be healed, can I tell you depression, anxiety, fear still has to bow at the name. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what culture says. Depression is still subject to the name of Jesus. Fear is still subject. He's a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. I feel a witness in the Holy Ghost right now. You can be free. You can, it can lift off your mind. I don't care if it's been 20 years, 15 years, 30 years. The devil is a liar. God can set you free. If you believe that, you ought to worship God like you feel. If you believe that, you ought to magnify God like you believe it. For God hath not given 
given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. A sound mind. He could give you a sound mind. I feel something breaking in the spirit right there. Lift up your hands and pray. I come to serve notice to every devil, to every spirit that has sent fear and anxiety and oppression. It is not of God. And by the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus, I take dominion right now and I release God's faith. I release the supernatural power of God. Come on, somebody pray right now. Somebody needs deliverance and this is happening right now. Somebody needs deliverance and it's happening in this room right now. Come on, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He can set you free. Jesus is here and he can deliver you. You don't have to wait another second. You don't have to wait another moment. God is in this room. Come on, I said weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming. I feel joy coming. Come on, some of you, you hadn't slept in a long time, but I'm telling you, peaceful sleep is coming. Joy is coming. Peace is coming. In the name of Jesus. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The choice is ours. God is not going to make you get up from your bed of pain and agony. You got to make a choice to get up. I know it's difficult, I know it's hard. And I know you maybe have been down for a long time. Maybe it's been several months, several years, several weeks since you've stood. And you've gotten comfortable and you've lost your strength. But can I tell you, God's strength is flowing in this room. Come on. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. And you may feel like you can't do it. But I feel the strength of God flowing saying, yes, you can. Today is your day. Bible says God speaks to Samuel says Samuel it's time to get up because I'm getting ready to pour out a fresh anointing on Israel you thought that it was over you thought that this was the, the end of the road it didn't work out the way you wanted it to but can I tell you I have something so much greater and better for you if you will just get up and move so he does it here's what I believe 
And I don't know this of assurance, but I believe based off of what Samuel says a few, a few verses later, that when Samuel got up from that place of crying, Samuel made a covenant with himself and Samuel made a covenant with God. When I get up from this place, I'm not getting back down again until I see God do what he said that he was going to do. When I stop crying, that doesn't mean that I won't feel pain and I won't feel hurt and all that stuff again. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to sit there and just dwell in my pain and dwell in my hurt. No, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk toward what God has for me. And until I see him do what he said that he was going to do, I will not sit down again. So he gets up from that place and he begins to walk. Bible lets us know he goes to the house of Jesse. He doesn't know Jesse. He doesn't know his situation. Doesn't know his family. He gets to the house and he's expecting for God to do something. You ever been there before? God gives you a word on Sunday morning. You wake up Monday morning saying it's got to happen today. Today's the day God is getting ready to do what he said in my life. And Monday passes by and nothing happens. I'm like, oh man, surely I thought it was going to be today. Week passes by, nothing happens. Month passes by. And then finally, you think it's getting ready to happen. They call you on Saturday night. I'm coming to church. It's been years since they've been to church. I'm coming to church. You've been praying. You've been fasting for a like God said that he was getting ready to do it. Here it goes. Here it goes. You get there on Sunday morning. Wait a minute, is that them? No, it's just somebody that looks kind of like them. They, they're not there. Then it happens again. You think it's getting ready to happen and nothing happens. You think it gets ready to happen. Nothing. You get up and then nothing happens and you, and you get back down. You get up and nothing gets ready to happen. You're like, Lord, what are you doing? I, I feel like you're playing some kind of trick on me right now. I feel like you're just toying with me. Anybody ever felt like that before? Like, God, just, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like that sometimes. Like, God, you're just, I think you're just kind of toying, playing games with me right now. Because, God, I know you can do it, but you're just choosing not to. It's not that I believe that you can't do it, but I'm starting to doubt whether or not you actually ever will. Anybody ever been there before? I know that God can heal, but I don't know that he ever will heal me. I know that God can deliver my family, but I don't know if it's just, it, it must not be in the cards for me. I know that God can set free from all the fear and the depression and the stuff that I, but I just don't know if it's ever in the cards for me because every time I feel like I'm getting ready to get that breakthrough, nothing happens. The Bible says that Samuel is there and seven sons pass before Samuel and Jesse and none of them are it. And at this point, there is no more hope in the house because the Bible says that, were, that was all the sons that were there. You ever been there before where all of, your, all of your resources have been exhausted? Every single glimmer of hope is now fading into nothingness. And you're thinking, this must be it. This must be, it, it must be all over. It, God must be done. But here's the thing about people that make up their mind. That I'm going to stand until I see God do what he said that he was going to do. Even when there is no hope in sight, you begin to probe for that hope. 
Even when you cannot see him working, you still believe that he is working. Even when you cannot see how he's going to do it, you still believe, God, you are still up to something. <laughs> so Samuel, Samuel says, are here all thy children? We kind of gloss over that, that scripture, but you know how much faith it took to ask that? Because he didn't see anybody. He didn't, he didn't know Jesse. He didn't know to really ask that question. According to everything that he could see with his carnal eye, it was over. It was done. Everybody's out the house. It's over. But when people have made up their mind to keep standing, when there's no hope in the house, you begin to probe. God, I can't see, but I'm going to God, you must, you, you, must, you must be going to do it over here. God, I, I can't see how you're going to do it, but God, I believe that some way, somehow, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep feeling after you because I know something's getting ready to happen. I can't see. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, but I trust you, and I know you're up to something. Are here all thy children? And you know that moment where you get a lot of faith and you begin to tell people about everything you think God is getting ready to do? And they just begin to rain on your parade. You ever had anybody like that before? I know that doesn't happen at Life Church. It happens where I'm from, though. Oh, praise God. God is getting ready to do something. I don't know about all that, bro. He says, are here all thy children? Jesse responds back. He says, I mean, I mean, there remaineth yet the youngest. Well, why'd you have to bring up that he's the youngest, man? What does that have to do with anything? I'll tell you why. Because Jesse was saying, I, I, I mean, we got that guy, but I don't think that's the one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that's the opportunity. You ever had anybody like that before? You get all excited. You tell them, they're like, Really? That way, that person, you mean God is going to send revival at some college campus that way? No, no, that's not how God's going to bring revival. Hey, let me tell you something. God does not do things the way that we think that he should do them. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our... You need to quit worrying about how God is doing it. And you just need to begin to believe that he is doing it. Come on. I know it doesn't seem unlike. I know it doesn't seem likely right now. I know it doesn't seem conventional. But can I tell you, uh, God is doing something. Uh, there's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's a move of the Spirit of God. There remaineth yet the youngest. That can't be the way that God is going to move. I wonder. I often wonder this. I wonder if when Elijah sent his servant out to check if there's going to be rain after he had prophesied there's going to be dew nor rain until I speak the word. And he finally says, it's getting ready to rain. I want you to go out and see if there's some clouds out there. And the servant goes out there. I wonder if he actually saw something the first time. But when he saw how little that cloud the size of the man's hand was, I wonder if he said, no, that ain't a cloud. Is that a cloud? No, that can't be it. 
And he goes back to Elijah and he says, Elijah said, what did you see? He said, I didn't see anything. How many times have we done that before? God presents us with an opportunity and we say, Surely that's not it. And we walk away and miss out on everything that God has for us. The opportunity was there all along. We just thought. Hey, Naaman, I want you to go down and dip in the river so many times. He said, whoa, that? that? I thought that you would ask me to do some grand thing. I thought that you would have all these theatrics and all these things. And I thought that was the way that it was going to. No, just go down and dip in the river. That way, God, there remaineth yet the youngest. That way. But here's the thing about people that stand, people that don't sit down. They say, you know what? All I need is just a little glimmer of hope. All I need is for a You might think that's just, that is insignificant. You might think that it's minuscule, but I know that God is up to something. I know that God is moving. And the Bible says after he said there remains yet the youngest that Samuel pipes up and says, send and fetch him. For we will not sit down until he comes. Can I tell somebody there's hope in this? It may not look like you think it should look, but can I tell somebody there is freedom, there is hope, there is deliverance in this house, but you got to make up your mind. I will not sit down. Theologians, they, they, they really kind of wrestle with why perhaps he made that statement, I will not sit down. It's probably implied by the text that they were trying to get him to sit down. Perhaps they had prepared this grand feast for the great prophet Samuel who was now up on an age and they were like you need to rest you've had a long journey to get here you've done a lot to get here all you've been through you've been through a lot you deserve to just sit down a little bit Samuel says y'all don't understand I made up my mind that until I see it I am not going to sit down. So, sure, be my guest. Y'all go ahead and sit down if you want to. But as for me, I will not sit down because Samuel understood there is something that happens when you have a posture of expectation. You cannot just come into the house of God and just kind of go through the no. God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How you seek him matters. There's got to be diligence in you. There's got to be hunger in you. There's got to be expectation in you that when I cry out unto my God, he will hear me and he will answer from heaven. There's got to be expectation in you that when I get on my knees and pray, I'm not just praying vain repetitions to some idol somewhere, but I'm praying to a God that will answer, that will hear me. Come on, somebody. Come on, I said it's time for you to stand. You've been down long enough, but I wonder if you would get that same hunger, that same fire that Samuel said, and say, I will not sit down. Somebody lift up your hands and pray right now. Oh, yeah, I know you've been down for a long time. Oh, but it's time to stand again. Oh, I know you've been hurting for a long time, but I hear the Spirit saying, stand up again. 
I know you've been defeated for a long time, but I hear the Spirit saying, it's time to go. Come on. Come on. It's time to move. I got something great for you. I have something I got a plan for your life, but you got to get up. If you're not standing, I want you to stand. I'm coming to a close. Musicians, singers, you can come. Woo, my Lord. I'm telling you, God has something so special for you in this room right now. God has something so special for this church. But oh, oh, the things that I miss out on. Oh, the things that we miss out on. Because our posture is just not right. We get discouraged. We get defeated. And we sit down. I mentioned it earlier, but here's the thing about sitting down. The longer you sit, the harder it is to get up. Anybody ever had, like, I don't know, an extended hospital stay or something like that? Where perhaps there's nothing wrong with your legs, or maybe it's just a surgery that has you kind of out of, out of commission for a while, and you spend a few days even, God forbid, several weeks on your back, and then you finally, finally decide to get up and try to walk. got to have somebody to help you up. Why? Because the strength is now gone in your legs. What did you do? Nobody attacked your legs. Nobody, nobody did anything crazy to you. All you did was just sit. And now because you've been sitting long, what seemed so insignificant and minuscule has now had this colossal effect on your ability to stand up. It's just sitting down. It's just kind of checking my religious box and going through the motions. I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad things. I just kind of come to church. I just kind of get it over with and I just kind of go home. I'm just kind of sitting down a little bit. Just kind of relaxing. Here's the thing, but the next time you try to stand up, strength is gone from you. Sitting down is not as innocent as it might seem. But here's the thing. I haven't come to preach a message of gloom and doom. You're just, you're done. If you're sitting down, you'll always be down. No, 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 quite the contrary. Because I believe that God is in this room to give fresh strength. We find the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. Is sitting. And his physical posture is in fact a simile of his spiritual posture. For Israel has not heard the word of the Lord in years they're in a spiritual drought they have not heard from God they are literally because of their sin and their idolatry sitting down in their spirits and the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter number 2 and verse 1 the Bible says and he said unto me son of man 
stand up on thy feet that I may speak to you. Oh, it doesn't really matter my posture. It doesn't really matter. Well, why did God tell him to stand up on your feet before I speak to you? Because posture matters to the Lord. Posture, how you listen matters to God. How you wait matters to God. How you go to church matters to God. What you do while you're at church matters to God. God really does care whether or not you're really involved in life church or not. It really does matter to him whether or not you're living your life for him with passion and expectation. It matters to him. He says, son of man, get up so I can speak to you. Some of you are like, I ain't heard from God in a long time. Maybe it's because we've been sitting down for a while. (laughs) If you hadn't heard from God in a long time, you might want to check whether or not you stood. God, I ain't heard you speak in a while. How's your posture? God, I hadn't heard your voice. What's your posture like? He says, son of man, I'm getting ready to speak to you, but I can't speak to you until you stand up on your feet. Here's the thing about sitting. When you sit for a while, you don't have strength. But listen to what happens in Ezekiel chapter 2 and verse 2. The Bible says, immediately after that, and the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet. Because here's the thing about our God. When you make an effort to do what you cannot do, his spirit comes and makes up the difference and helps you do what you cannot do on your own. Ezekiel was there on the ground. He didn't have the strength to stand. God said, stand. Ezekiel said, okay, I don't think I can, but I'm going to try. And the moment he made an effort, the spirit of God came onto the scene, entered into him and set him on his feet. Can I tell you, God is getting ready to give you the strength to do what you cannot do on your own. You can't stand on, you feel weak right now, but I'm telling you, there's a fresh strength getting ready to flow in this place. There's a fresh anointing that's getting ready to flow in this room. And if you make an effort, the Spirit of God will enter into you. There was a story in the Bible, some of you might remember, the man with the withered hand. Jesus comes on the scene and says, you want to be healed? He says, yes, Lord. He says, okay, stretch forth your hand. Whoa, wait a minute, God. He can't move it. It's a withered hand. He can't straighten it out. What do you mean stretch forth your hand? God says, if you make an effort, I'll make up the difference. So the man with the withered hand in his mind said, hand, you better move right now. And the moment he said that and made that effort, the Spirit of God entered into him, healed him, and he stretched forth his hand. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, that's what's getting ready to flow in this room right now. I know you can't do it, but God can do it. I know you can't move, but the strength of God is here right now. I know you feel like it's been a long time since you stood and you can't stand, but that's okay. God is here right now. Jesus is here right now. And his strength is getting ready to be flowing in this room. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. 
Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.